0: Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum 2020 podcast series. Uh, over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. This is episode nine, Cassie Delaney talking about the Rogue Collective. Welcome, Cassie.
1: Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be this side of the, of the microphone for once. I'm usually uh, producing podcasts and
0: just listening in could you tell me a bit more about yourself, actually, to begin with? You do podcasts, obviously.
1: Yeah, so um, independently of Rogue, I run Tall Tales Podcast, which is a podcast production studio based here in Dublin. We have a physical studio just off Camden Street in um, on Harrington Street next door to Brother Hubbard South, the nicest coffee in Dublin, arguably. And we produce kind of a, a variety of podcasts for both independent creators and businesses so we do a lot of commercial podcasting and um, we do a lot of work with existing media brands and agencies in dublin so i think the chances are we say if you've heard an irish podcast over the last two years we've we've come across it in some shape or form whether it's been recorded here or whether one of our producers has worked on it themselves and um, so yeah no stranger to kind of small media company ownership and um, And previous, I suppose, previous to that, I worked in a variety of different Irish publications myself as a multimedia producer. I had previously held positions with Image Magazine and Maximum Media um, as the deputy editor of Her.ie for my sins.
0: Just when you mentioned commercial podcasting and so on there, uh, are you basically working with the staff at the moment or would there be opportunities for freelancers with you? Uh, tall tales
1: there's always opportunities for freelancers so we kind of assemble teams on a project by project basis uh, obviously we have a lot of people who are connected to the tall tales network that we do lean on uh, quite a lot if it's something like voiceover workers or production work or something like that but um, we'd often get briefs in from brands and commercial people where we need to go find appropriate hosts or appropriate researchers to conduct the work so we're always on the lookout for kind of new talent um, and then also uh, not only do we kind of enlist the services of freelancers we also support freelancers to create their own productions where possible so we have a kind of a number of different ways of financing your podcast whether it's that you want to come in and just use the studio on an hourly basis and and um, we can train you up in the editing techniques or whether you want to uh, come in and buy a series off us, we can facilitate all that too. We're really big believers in helping sort of creators and, and creative people to get their content out there.
0: What is the Rogue Collective? Can you tell me how it works and who's involved?
1: So the Rogue Collective is a group of Irish women who'd all worked in media in some shape or form for the majority of their careers. And about you know, nearly a year ago at this stage, we've all been talking, we've met each other through different project works, through different um, backgrounds of working in-house for different publications. And we were all experiencing the same things as freelancers. And that was essentially that there was fewer opportunities emerging and media seemed to be struggling. And, you know, we were noticing a drop-off of columns of regular work. And when we did get that work in, we were often kind of Uh, you know, at the the peril of an editor who maybe didn't see the story in the same way or disagreed with our angle or something like that. And as female creators, there's very few female-owned media spaces in Ireland. The majority of the time, we were writing stories for male editors or for media companies owned by men who just had different objectives and agendas when it came to uh, creating content. So we were kind of, to be honest, just a little bit sick of it, and decided to come together and create something that was owned by women for women, but also that wasn't entirely reliant on um wasn't entirely reliant on advertising to sustain itself. So that's when we came up with the subscription based model and really we really saw, I guess, through a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last couple of years with podcasting, that when the content is good, the audience is willing to pay for it. And we kind of, you know, made that our core message and launched with a subscription-based website. And honestly, the first weekend we launched, we were absolutely blown away with the amount of subscribers and the amount of women out there who didn't want to read just fitness, food, and fashion, who wanted to read about, you know, the parenting gap or how online behavior is impacting humanity or things like OnlyFans or, you um, you know, re- really deep diving into relationships and human psychology and th- all that kind of stuff. So our focus is long-form features. and um, We have a lot of personal essays, but we have a lot of um, investigative stuff coming up as well that's not necessarily just pertaining to women. It's obviously of interest to the majority of people, but it does have a, a kind of female focus to it.
0: So I just noticed you're described as the rogue collective. Is that is it a cooperative structure or what does that mean?
1: Yeah, I mean the collective is essentially that there is no uh, there's no traditional structure in the way that there is with the other media companies we don't have one owner nor do we have one editor we i suppose at times it makes it very difficult because there's 12 or 13 people making a decision on on something but it means that we're coming together as a wider team and um, considering all options so Traditionally, I suppose you'd have your commercial team would work independently nearly of your editorial team and you were all answering to one CEO or one editor. But as a collective, we all take equal responsibility, equal ownership and um, are as passionate, I suppose, about the content that we're creating ourselves as well as steering this into into a business in some shape or form and and deciding what it's going to be and what it's going to look like. And I think removing that structure removing the kind of the the traditional editor and writers and and, and everybody operating with that kind of sense of ownership and that sense of pride in it has really resulted in some fantastic pieces and some fantastic work where we're working, really, really working closely together on um, creating that content. And in some instances, it might even mean that like one of your peers is subbing your piece or is, uh, you know. Giving you a steer or suggesting people to interview in a way that you don't get when you're just working independently on your own.
0: It actually reminds me of a French place called a magazine called Cosette. I don't know if you've come across it. No, I have. Sorry, just on the mechanical, on the mechanical end of things. um, When are your deadlines? Are you like rolling production once a month or so on? And how would I get in touch if I was, or well, not me, but if one of one of the freelancers listening was to pitch you
1: so we uh for our contributors so just as well as having the kind of 12 founders we can we commission a piece from an independent freelancer every week as well so that's kind of commissioned three weeks in advance and so we have a a very simple system obviously we've had like an absolute mass of emails come in from people who want to contribute so right now when you email into contribute at roadcollective.ie you're sent back a google form which is basically just a way for us to formalize the pitches so that we can process them as quick as possible. Um then there's some of our founders have formed a kind of contributions team so it goes to them and then the pitch is brought to the group and it's voted on. So if you've been commissioned for a piece know that it's it's passed through kind of multiple channels and if it gets to the stage where it's commissioned, it's because people are really, really excited to read it. Um, so yeah, we kind of work three weeks in advance. We publish every Sunday. So we have five pieces that go out live every Sunday on site. But if you're a contributor, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be commissioned on a Monday and be published the following Sunday. You'll generally be commissioned um, two, three weeks in advance just to give people that time to write their their longer pieces and think about it a little bit more as well. We're very much believers of the slow Read and the kind of the slow creation process as well. We don't feel there's a sense of there needs to be a sense of urgency, especially when it comes to writing long form features. The more time you have, the better the work is going to be, and that's why we kind of allow for that sort of three weekly time.
0: What's your definition of long form? That can mean anything from two thousand words up to thirty or forty thousand.
1: Yeah. So for our long form pitches, we're kind of for our long form features, we look at kind of two thousand seven hundred words seems to be the sweet spot for us um and it's you know that's a good that's a good meaty feature i think for for people to to write it's really it's really nice actually to have that kind of space to write something of that length now and obviously because we're not we don't publish physically it's all online uh we're not constrained to you know we're not constrained to that word count specifically so we have had longer features we've had features up to kind of five thousand words on site um for special topics as well
0: are you running podcasts as well behind your paywall
1: yeah, so we have a weekly podcast Um, we kind of have, we had two up until recently. Um, we had the Vulture Club, which is like a weekly pop culture podcast. Uh, we've obviously, that's slowed down a little bit because of the constraints with COVID-19. Um, and then we have Life is Shorts as well, which can be, it's kind of a, a sort of like, I, I call it a kind of pick and mix podcast because we've put everything up as individual segments So you could have two or three segments going up in the Life of Short's feed every week. You can listen to all three if you want, or you can listen to just one and sort of piece together your perfect podcast experience. So all of those segments are kind of 10 to 15 minutes in length. And then we also have some audio reads of the stories that have appeared on site as well. So you could, you know, really come along, sit down on a Sunday, read a piece, listen to a piece, you know, watch our Instagram stories where there's usually a cook-along or a make-along. Um, and really just kind of build the experience that you want to get from your publication.
0: Speaking of COVID, actually, since you mentioned it, how, how is it affecting your workflows and so on? Being online, I suppose, does help you used to distributed work anyway, but I assume it's had a, an impact.
1: Yeah, massively. Like, it's had, obviously, working online and working as independent journalists, we're used to working independently and we're used to filing copy and creating content that sits online. But it has had an impact on, who we can get out to obviously you can you know like this you can conduct your interviews on zoom and you can have phone calls or whatever but you just don't get the same depth that you would if you were in person with somebody and um, so it has slowed down i suppose the kind of plans that we had had for rogue and where we want to be we had planned for a lot more video content to be released around this time you know we're you know 16 16 weeks into it now and uh, we'd obviously wanted to kind of launch a few different video series that we had in mind, uh, which we haven't been able to do obviously because we can't get out and film. We're still kind of think of ways to come around that. Our podcasting stuff has been uh, has been fine because we've set the the founders and the row collective members up with mics. We've kind of created our best practice documents on how we can still achieve really usable and really high quality audio, and we're just about to sort of go into video that's actually been self-filmed by the uh, by the interviewee. So it'll be inter- interesting to see how that turns out. But I think the thing about COVID is that it's really, it's changed media and it's changed the kind of content that we consume where the actual sort of content itself, the, the subject matter has become more important than the production. And I think we had reached a point where prior to this, you know, everything needed to be super polished. Everything needed to be shiny. There was fancy transitions on videos. Everything was shot in 4K. There was drone footage everywhere and it was beautiful. But the content was maybe a little bit lacking because there was so much there to distract the viewer with. Whereas now when the content has become key again and has become the focus of the piece, the audience is much more forgiving and they're willing to listen to podcasts that don't have that studio crisp sound recording if the topic is good, if the, if the, the speakers are prepared and if the actual conversation flows nicely and if it's funny rather than needing it to be absolutely perfect. And I think that that's I think that that's interesting because it's changing the behaviors of what we thought to be true about content for so long. I just think it's the the way that we're consuming content now differs from the behaviors that we've believed to be true for the last couple of years. Um, and I think that that's that's been that's been something I've certainly noticed with podcasting, you know, when I've worked in media houses before, we were told to keep everything short, everything snappy, 60 seconds or less, um you know, to keep your your audio down to kind of 15 minutes. But I've noticed for a long time with podcasts that the audience is willing to engage with something that's longer if it's good. And now I think with COVID, we are seeing people engaging and watching videos that aren't necessarily shot on 4K, Canon, EOSRs, or they're not shot on, you know, um, with drones and all the whistles and bells and whistles. They're kind of a lot more earnest. They're a lot more homemade looking. But because, I suppose, because the topics at hand are a lot more honest and authentic, it's still performing just as well as it would have prior.
0: How long are your podcasts, uh, as a matter of interest? uh, Generally, I've been around 20 minutes with these, but that's because I'm working off an old analogue model and I'm sort of replicating it to an extent. It's not necessarily that I'm wedded to that idea of it go longer or shorter as things evolve, but wh- where do you go in terms of length yeah. of a podcast?
1: It really depends on the subject matter. You know, if if something is interesting, we have certain podcasts that run for an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. Um, and for, for for that kind of comedy and lifestyle, so say with like the creep dive. Um, or how to fall apart, they'll run for an hour and we'll see engagement and retention rates at kind of 95, 96%, which is, you know, incredibly impressive. If you're, you know, if you're dealing with a niche subject matter and your audience is a smaller size, then I think, yeah, something like 20 minutes, 25 minutes works. The golden rule that we had been sort of sticking to was 40 minutes because that was deemed to be the time of an average commute. And that's where people were listening to that podcast or the places where we wanted to capture people. Um, but obviously with no commuting, that's all changed as well. Um, so yeah, I think like, I mean, when you think of your own listener habits, I actually prefer the longer podcasts. I'm not a fan of the kind of 15 minute ones where every 15 minutes, then you're served an ad or the, top and tail of your podcast again and um yeah i like to really get into something that's kind of 40 minutes 45 minutes long and and really be immersed in it i guess
0: what's the format for the typical podcast i assume that uh, heavily produced and edited ones are a bit difficult at the moment so you're working with panels and interviews i suppose
1: yeah, a lot of the stuff we're doing at the moment is panel interview things. So, we would basically, with our clients now, we're setting up with a host and guests uh, because that's what we can facilitate really easily over Zoom. We do a lot of story uh, and ambient sort of podcasts. So, prior to this, we had um, worked on a series called The City Speaks, which is basically an immersive audio experience. It's a physical walking tour. And when you walk around the city, you stand in front of a mural. And you hear the artist describe the process of creating that mural the day it was painted and what it means. Um, and we had built those with like loads of layered ambient sounds so that it sounds like the mural is being painted around you. Uh, and that's the kind of, that's the stuff that we love to do. We did something similar with Orty for the Her Story podcast where we recreated the scenes, uh, scenes from history. That I think works really well when you have the narration recorded in the studio because it's all at a very high consistent standard but it doesn't seem to be working as well with zoom because you do have that you you know it sounds like you phone somebody in which is great and it, it sounds you know it works well for what it is but it doesn't work when you're layering it into something a little bit more cinematic and um, so yeah at the moment we're relying heavily on sort of host interview uh, led podcasts and that's to be honest that's what clients want at the moment because a lot of people right now and a lot of our clients are using podcasts in a very practical terms to update their staff on what's going on to keep um you know their potential customers updated on what their business practices are and what their plans are for covid so a lot of the podcasts we're doing right now are actually very covid specific um very very niche very much about a lot of the time about the internal uh, workings of different companies and stuff so they just want someone to come along, someone to ask questions, get your answer and uh, top and tail at them with a bit of music and, and get it out to their audience. And they're often very, um, we're doing a lot of kind of specialist uh, sort of couple of hours turnaround pieces at the moment. So we might get a call in from one of our clients in the morning and they want it out with their audience or their, their staff by after lunch. So that's kind of what we're focusing on at the moment. Um, but hopefully when it kind of things pick up again, luckily we can open the studio in phase two because we're a small company and we can maintain the the safe social distance practices so we'll be able to reopen the studio on the 8th of June and hopefully then we can start picking up with a few more of those kind of you know audio experiences rather than just your straightforward interview-led pieces.
0: Okay uh do you want to give me, uh, is there an email that people will get in touch with you or an, an address where they can find the Google form to make submissions and so forth?
1: Absolutely. So if you email contribute at roguecollective.ie, you'll receive the um, the Google form. But if you, know, you, can, you can reach out to us on any of the social channels, we're at Rogue Collective on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you reach out there, we'll, uh, we'll get that form to you.
0: All right, thanks for joining me, Cassie, and best of luck.
1: Thanks so much, Jared. Thanks so much. Cheers, bye-bye.